0: Because it was just a year ago today that Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was released. Uh, Let's bring it back, memories! (laughs) This is MuggleCast episode 48 for July 16th, 2006. Your number one source for all your internet needs, GoDaddy.com has new domain names, transfers, and renewals for as low as $1.99. Plus, check out their hosting plans, website builders, secure certificates, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code Muggle. That's M-U-G-G-L-E when you check out, and save an additional 10% off any order. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Andrew Sims.
1: I'm Ben Shane.
0: I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Jamie Lawrence.
2: And I'm Eric Skull.
0: And this is the show where we're bringing the latest in Harry Potter news, theory discussions, blah, 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 blah. And now we've learned that we total cars. Yep. (laughs) What? (laughs) Any reaction? (laughs) Before we go anywhere else? My Katana bombs? Standing by in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories.
3: In a list of the 100 greatest family films compiled by Channel 4, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came in at number 15. E.T. Shrek and Mary Poppins took the top three spots. At the 2006 Home Entertainment Awards, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire picked up prizes in the categories of DVD Extras of the Year and Sell-Through Title of the Year. The awards recognize outstanding achievement in home video. A new article published by Entertainment Weekly gives their take on the top sidekicks ever to be together, from real life to fantasy. Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger come in together at number 11, behind the likes of Ed McMahon, Robin, and George Costanza. Electronic Arts, the worldwide video game developer known to us for their work on the Harry Potter video game franchise, announced yesterday that they are actively developing six new titles to be released this fall for the Nintendo Wii. Of those, one is a new Harry Potter game specifically designed for the new video game system. The Wii's primary new feature is its controller, which is held with one hand and waved at the screen. From this, it's easy to assume that developers could create an area of the game that lets you cast spells with the flick of your wrist. Dan Radcliffe has released his most recent newsletter. Be sure to head over to danradcliffe.com to check it out. Last week, M. Night Shyamalan told ComingSoon.net that he has put some serious thought into directing either of the final two Potter films. On this Sunday's edition of Pottercast, Melissa Nelly talks with Shyamalan about the Boy Wizard. In a preview on Leaky site, the director states he would offer the greatest protection on author J.K. Rowling's work. Finally, an article published today in Jam Television reports that Robbie Coltrane has just wrapped up his scenes on the fifth Harry Potter movie. All filming for Order of the Phoenix is scheduled to be completed by late fall. We are officially less than one year away from the release of the fifth film. The movie is slated to be released in the United States and the United Kingdom on July 13th, 2007. That's all the news for this July 15th, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show.
0: Alright, thank you, Mike. <laughs> Uh, wow, well, we have a few announcements to get through this week. Oh, how could I be so silly? I almost forgot the latest batch of names for Micah Tannenbaum. This one comes from Ryan, 18 of Virginia, who calls himself the Nickname King. Get, I really like oh, this.
4: I thought he meant that his nickname was King. Ryan the Nickname King. Not that he calls himself the Nickname King. Anyway, go. it,
0: yeah. Okay, so what, do you, what do you guys think of these? Micah Scope? Huh? Huh? Tannin in the sun and the Bombardier didn't we already think of that one
1: I don't know Not yeah, heard yeah, yeah, I think we did, but yeah. interestingly enough today yes last night last night I went to the p o box okay and I open up the open up the the box and I pull out this letter and I start feeling it I'm like oh my gosh it's like ten subway gift cards <laughs> and i I open it up and it says on it there's like a piece of what looks like bathroom tile. And it says, "Formica." Below it says, "Does for he like collect bathroom
4: <laughs> tiles or something?"
1: No, no, for Micah It's like the the top of a table. Oh, right. You know, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Clever. That said, Formica. That's clever.
0: It was,
4: g- it was great. <laughs> I just thought I found it.
0: <laughs> so you're gonna mail that too Of course.
4: It's kind yeah. of heavy, though, isn't it? No. Nope. <laughs> to mu- to Matt. He'll never see it. <laughs> yeah, he won't ever see it.
0: It's a floor tile. Ben will put it in his room. No,
4: it's like it's, t- it's a tabletop, but it looks like that. It. It's like a little sample. Uh, here's a new name for him. Um, when Mike starred in the Flintstones as uh, Barney's baby, what was he called? I don't know. I don't know. Have you guys seen the Flintstones?
2: Yeah. I wait. I, oh. I saw the Flintstones. What about what what's about Barney's it? baby 94. called? Barney's baby. Oh, Bam Bam.
4: Yeah. So, change it a bit for Mike. Bam Bam. Bam Bam.
2: Shake a Bam Bam. Shake a Bam Bam.
0: Alright, that's joke one of Jamie's joke of the day. Yeah. We got quite a few announcements this week. Uh, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley because if you don't, we will cry ourselves to sleep and there will be no Vogelcast. Who? Are we in the lead on Podcast Alley? No. Podcast is still beating us. Really? Even after last week? Yeah. By like 20 votes, not by much. Oh, guys, don't, don't it's forget. It's pretty that's tight because... competition. That's, That's
2: because uh, their fans have uh, more to do than homework. When they're <laughs> home. <laughs> don't forget that.
0: Well, see, see, they're um, they're offering their listeners an incentive for uh, voting for them. Which is what? John's gonna sing a song in New York for Joe. Uh, New York, New York.
4: Well, fine then. um but we'll, well, we gotta I... offer them something, <sighs> Jamie. Jamie you know what, what do you want to do? I wanna, I wanna. Okay, if they vote for us and we win, then Ben will—I don't know—I'll sing photograph yeah. for everybody. Yeah. No, no, you can sing <laughs> Look at this photograph. Um, you can sing what? "You're Beautiful" by James Blunt. Oh, I like that. Yeah.
1: yeah, you smiled at me on a subway. On a subway <laughs> with
4: another man. What did <laughs> you Wait. smiled
1: at me in the subway? Be- what Are did you James Blunt say that? to the
4: Hey Ben? What did James Blunt say to the? Um, Twelve-inch cheese steak. When the uh, cheese steak grinned at him, <laughs> <laughs> you smiled at me in the subway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, um, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, if I get oh crap, I'm leaving Monday, so I wouldn't be able to know. Um, let's see. Okay, if if we beat them by more than a hundred votes, I'll do it. Do you want okay. so you're All beautiful. Right. Okay.
0: Alright <laughs> It's on No I don't, I don't know I don't want to sing But where is he going To I sing it, it.
1: Oh.
4: I can't do it I can't do it I'm too big of a all right. I'll Alright Jamie sing you want to offer something Jamie will do no, it No I won't I won't I'm already eating The sausages If uh, Harry dies I can't take <laughs> You know <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Jamie your sausages Are very very popular Yeah well What can I
4: say Alright Alright Eric Jumbo what, what will you do if, What will I do um, he'll, yeah. he'll provide 500 photos For the fans Oh no wait He's already done that No <laughs>
2: No um he the, He'll make uh, another okay, okay. Photo if bucket. we get
4: what if we be, if we be podcast I will sing
2: uh in person a uh Elton John song <laughs> he'll sing Rocket, Rocket Man. <laughs> Man No uh, well yeah Rocket. no I do that, left, I'll, do that lie, I'll, do, I'll do that for free I'll do that for free but um anyway there's a uh, a Britney Spears song Lucky you know you know Lucky by Britney Spears and no, um no we don't a uh, few of the people know, well um a few of the people who run Evan Lynch fans.net or uh one of the Evan Lynch sites um have a filk or, uh, you know, I guess a parody of it that they wanted me to sing for them. I told them I would. I'd record it called Looney for Luna Lovegood, and it's based on Britney Spears' Lucky, and I will sing that in person if uh, we beat Podcast, if we beat uh, Podcast on uh, Podcast
4: Alley.
0: All right, wonderful. And uh, an update on Lumos and New York City. Don't forget people to RSVP. We have over, you, um, if you emailed an RSVP, uh, back before the new Leaky Mug site, to hplive.gmail.com we ask you to RSVP again on the Leaky Mug, or not the Leaky Mug, just LeakyMug.com, uh, because it's much easier to count the RSVPs up that way. Uh, we have over 200 RSVPs for Lumos and
4: over 600 RSVPs
0: for New York. <laughs> hey
4: Andrew, and your test this week is: Can you remember what RSVPs, Sorry, RSVP stands for. Oh, in oh.
2: Respond, a yeah, silver play.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's what I Responder would respond. Responde silver play. Very close, very close.
0: We actually have a uh, story about that, Jamie, for our chicken soup. This week, oh, yeah, we do. If you've read it. Okay, Eric, did you have an announcement about Lumos in New York? Or Lumos...
2: Okay, so after the performance of Harry and the Potters I wanted to get together maybe in the lobby of the uh, J.W. Marriott or someplace. I don't know I'm not very sure about the legality of any of this But I wanted to get together and uh, popcorn read uh, One of the books of the Harry Potter series Do you guys know what popcorn reading is? It's when you, uh, yeah, when I you read when like, I was you, you, you read a little <laughs> bit Well, we'll all have name tags and we're gonna uh, What is it? What is it? What you have to do? Popcorn reading. Okay, you uh, take a book And you start reading it um, I guess you do voices and anything like that And then when you get tired of reading You uh, say popcorn you stop reading and you say popcorn, and then you, you pick someone else, and then they start reading. And the thi- the deal is, we'll have a bunch of fans who don't know each other. The key is that you don't know each other. A bunch of fans get together, and they'll read. I guess it's uh, Prisoner of band I wanted to read. And we'll just read a little bit of it. It'll be for like an hour or two after 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock um, when the, Harry and the Potters is done. And we'll just... Hear fellow fans doing the voices Of all our beloved characters And just reading the book And it's, you know, some kind of cool Cozy reading corner with Eric and you Super awesome Vegas magical outing That night with Eric and you Okay, and anybody who might be interested In coming to this Please email me at Gasmoney at uh, Get And uh, you will either receive an update Or I'll know how many people are interested And then I will see uh, By next week or At Lumos Uh, if I can actually do that, if we're allowed to congregate in a big lobby or something. So, once again, this is the super awesome Vegas Magical Outing at Night with Eric and you. Save Gas Money is the acronym. And call, email, uh, gasmoney at com.
0: As most of you know, every single week, a new transcript goes up of the past week's show. And, uh, as everyone knows, Micah Tannenbaum... Or, bombs a lot. Microscope heads that, or that, <laughs> heads that section. And he has quite a few transcribers who we'd like to take a moment to thank. So, to Sarah, Ali, Martina, Jessica, Amanda, Ronnie, Rhiannon, David, and Margaret, and Emily, thank you very much thank for you. helping out with the transcripts. And uh, we'll be seeing a few of them up in New York, and we'll be giving them MuggleCast Cast
4: t shirts And hugs.
0: Listener Rebuttals this week, Kylie32 of LA writes about the Mirror of Erised discussion we had last week. I absolutely loved your last discussion about the Mirror of Erised and whether Harry could use it for guidance to find Horcruxes. I just wanted to remind you guys that Dumbledore told Harry in Book 1 that the Mirror offers no knowledge nor truth. In my opinion, even though Harry saw his quote-unquote family, most of those characters that he saw were not real people, but people he had a deep and desperate desire to share life with. This is because we know that James was an only child and Lily... Lily's only living relative was Petunia. Therefore, all the people he saw in the mirror were most likely people who could possibly be relatives, but were either dead or not real. That brings me to my next opinion, that there's absolutely no way he can use the mirror to find the Horcruxes, unless, of course, it was intended so with an enchantment, like the Philosopher's Stone. Because the mirror does not offer truth or knowledge,
4: one cannot use it to seek either one. I think that's a brilliant point. That's completely changed our discussion from last week. Uh... Yeah, sorry. I wish you. Has wait, has it really? Yeah, we said that it's a contradiction that the mirror can show your, you know, only your heart's desire, uh, but it couldn't tell you something that, you know, it wasn't common knowledge like the meaning of life. But what she's yeah. just said is uh that's completely wrong because it shows neither knowledge or, nor truth. So that's 1 to Kylie, 0 to us. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Our
1: next listener rebuttal comes from Grace, age seventeen, from Minnesota. The subject: The Mirror of Erised. Hi, guys. Love the show. On episode forty-seven, you were talking about the possibility of Harry seeing how to find a Horcrux within the Mirror of Erised. However, in her interview with Emerson and Melissa, Joe said Harry would have to see Voldemort finish dead, gone, wouldn't he? Because he knows now that he will have no peace and no rest until that is this is accomplished. This means that since finishing off Voldemort is his ultimate heart's desire, the
4: mirror won't show him horcruxes since they are only a means to fulfilling that goal. I think that's a really really good point. I was thinking that last week when we were talking about it, but I don't think I mentioned it. I think that he, um, your heart's desire has got to be the final piece of the puzzle. You know, it can't be the means because clearly you want the end more than you want the means. So yeah, I think that's exactly right.
2: Harry's heart's desire changed. At first it was to see his family and then at the end of it, it was to get the uh, you know the Sorcerer's Stone and all that, and I really think that if uh, if Harry wanted it deep enough, he could see getting a Horcrux. If he had like one Horcrux left, and he but he doesn't want it. He wants to Fine. find the Horcrux it, to kill it. He needs to do it. What,
4: okay, but Eric, but Eric, it's a shortcut to to uh, that he'd rather ha- have the end. So why would you? Okay, say if you uh, say if you wanted to cycle uh, two states, yeah, you can either look in. The mirror and see a brand new bike that's worth fifty thousand dollars, or you can see yourself at the place. Which would you rather? You'd you'd see yourself at the place, and you'd rather be there. But you need the Horcrux. What I'm saying is, no, I I'm not saying I, I'm not saying he could actually
2: retrieve the Horcrux from the mirror. That doesn't, you know, because he obviously wants to use it. But no, but his true desire
4: would wouldn't ever be yeah, to see but the Horcrux. Jamie, his true desire would be to
2: finish Voldemort. Yeah,
5: I I think uh I think Eric's point is that maybe. You're going to see that bike at first, right, having the bike at first. But when you start working for the bike and you start earning that money and you're like, oh my god, this is killing me, you may see yourself... Going, oh, geez, I really want to see myself
2: at the bike place buying it. No, what what I'm saying is that Harry's desire changed. He, he, at first he wanted to see his family. Then he wanted to get the, you know, it's an immediate thing. You can look in the mirror
4: and see different things depending on your. It's not immediate. Of course, it's not immediate. It's built up. It's like pent up, you know. What the deepest? Well, the deepest, most desperate desire in your heart doesn't just change, you know, momentarily. Just like ban. Just like. Ben's band at the moment. It does change. It does. It it does change. It changed it, for Harry. It in did, book no, one. no. But yes, it does. But it doesn't just change suddenly. You know, um, events in the real world change it. It's like that. Well, yeah. But events in the real world, like
2: a Harry, like. What I'm saying is I think that if he wanted to find a Horcrux, and if his heart's desire was to find a Horcrux, there's no reason why he shouldn't see that, just because it's a mean to defeating Voldemort. Sure, sure he wants to
4: defeat... What would he rather find, though? He would rather defeat Voldemort, but how can his deepest, most desperate desire in his heart be any less than that goal now? Especially, after, after, you know, Dumbledore's died, Sirius has died, you know, it's a war. How could he ever right. want, want to have a lesser, deepest desire than that? Than that, You know, and anyway, as, as Grace points out, um, it can't show truth or knowledge so it couldn't show him finding a horcrux it it could show him holding it but that would be pointless well you know truth or
2: knowledge i think that was just uh the way dumbledore chose to explain it truth or knowledge was to deter harry from staring no, at it
4: no 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 but it didn't uh, you know he it didn't actually show him truth or knowledge it just showed him holding it so so if you if the most deepest uh most desperate desire in your heart is to have the Philosopher's Stone. You'd see yourself holding it. You wouldn't see yourself finding it. And it was just so that, that the enchantment works.
5: If you, if Harry found all the Horcruxes except one, right? Ron and Hermione both died yeah. trying to find that last Horcrux, right? And all he needs is fin- finding that last Horcrux to kill Voldemort. I think if he looked in the Mirror of said he'd see himself holding that last Horcrux and not Killing Voldemort. No, that's I not disagree. True. I disagree because
1: the purpose. Okay, the, the sole reason that he's in it anymore is. He, okay, his deepest desire isn't to find the Horcruxes. It's what he's going to do with the Horcruxes, which is defeat Voldemort. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. If if you're in his situation, okay. For example, earlier I went to Subway and say say my greatest deepest deepest desire was to eat Subway. Would I see myself eating the sandwich or would I see myself driving there? You know.
2: Yeah.
4: Exactly. exactly. You'd see yourself eating the sandwich. You wouldn't see yourself driving there.
2: But if you wanted to make it to Subway, if you wanted to make it to Subway, you would see yourself making it to Subway. Why would would Harry's greatest desire
1: be to uh, fight Voldemort? It's to have Voldemort
0: dead. I have another listener rebuttal um, that I just found because we've been getting a lot of feedback about this discussion because
2: it – Hold on. It's been going back and forth so much. (laughs) This is Lisa 16 from San Diego. Uh, Her subject is also Mirror of she. Lisa says, I disagree with what you were saying in the latest MuggleCast about the Mirror of because the mirror doesn't give you what you want most. It shows you what you want most. So if someone's most heartfelt desire really was to know the meaning of life, it would show that person knowing that secret, not give them the answer. I agree with that. Uh, so if the person desired to know the meaning of life so that they could be at peace or teach others or make the world a better place, they would see themselves doing these things or being those things, but not the meaning of life itself. So I don't think the mirror would show Harry where the horcruxes were, but would rather show him what he would do with them.
4: I see. This is exactly right. Exactly what we were just talking about and what Grace said, that, you know, it can't, it can't show you... It can't give you what you want, apart from when Dumbledore, you know, made it so. It just shows you what you want. I think that's a brilliant point. I think that's really good.
2: Yeah, I would agree with... I think this set it a little bit clearer for me, at least to understand where you guys were coming from, that it would show Harry destroying the Horcruxes as opposed to finding the Horcruxes. Though, I guess I would argue that if he really wanted to find them, and if that were his...
4: The point she's making is that um, you you wouldn't see yourself destroying it, you know, in the cave, because the mirror can't know that it's in the cave. You just to yourself like, I don't know, against a white background, destroying it because, you know, it can't show you whatever. And perhaps if you perceive the Horcrux to be, say, uh, a cup, then you'd see it being a cup. You know, it's your subconscious that tells you what you think it would be, so it can't actually tell you anything you don't know. It's just a projection of what you think. Our next listening rebuttal comes
1: from Niav, age 14, from Illinois. The subject, Snape's Protective Instinct. In regards to episode 47, I'd like to comment on the Snape protecting the trio issue. I agree that it could be a teacher's instinct, but I personally think the Snape isn't pure evil. He must have some compassion in him. It's hard to tell what side Snape is on, but I don't think that at this point in his life he would kill or, or let die an innocent student or anyone else unless he really, really had to. It's just hard for me to picture Snape that cruel. He always seemed more humane than many of the other
4: Death Eaters. Thanks. He is. That's the thing. He's um, he's mean. He's not cruel. I think that's the distinction you've got to make. You know,
0: I do think so. But I mean, then again, this was what occurred in the movie, so we shouldn't, you know, be theorizing about this too much because it was true. just Steve Cloves going, "Hey, this would be nice." Yeah, it was a uh, interpretation of the book. Right. So. Yeah. So moving along to our main discussion this week. The Room of Requirements, spawned by Jamie Lawrence. So, Jamie, this is all you.
4: Yes, I built the room. I built the Room of Requirements. No, no. <laughs> well, I thought this would be an extremely interesting topic, because it's one of those things where you can't see where its brain is kept, so we can't really examine it. Uh, we don't know uh, who made it, where it came from. It's kind of a second chamber of secrets, except it doesn't have a basilisk Which is in it, good. Except, <laughs> but... Uh, I'm sure if you, it is good, but I'm sure if you walk past and wish for one, you, one would appear, or would it? I don't know. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we're going to be discussing. Does it um, <laughs> Does it have limitations? Could you ask for a room that makes yourself immortal forever? And do the effects of the room only last while you're inside? So these are the kind of things we're going to be discussing. Should we start with, how does it work?
2: Uh, well, okay, it works. Uh, the, the room of requirement is located um, at... On the seventh floor, I guess, um, one of the corridors is the seventh floor, and in order, t- it has to be activated. What it is, it's a blank slab of wall on the seventh floor in one of the corridors. Isn't there two statues, like, of some guy teaching goblins how to tap dance?
4: I don't know. I don't think that's or important, something. though, to be fair. I just... Okay. Well, I, no, I was just being <laughs> encyclopedic. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, so you... W- there's you, a slight scratch a of... on the uh, brick just okay. outside the room.
2: <laughs> hey, third brick from the left. It's happened before. Uh, so hey. listen... In order to activate the room, you have to uh, you have to walk past it. You have to walk back and forth three times, uh, thinking and requesting uh, the wall to appear or re- requesting a room. Room of requirement is a good term because it's a variable, the room that you need. You can walk past it and say, I need a room to hide this potions book, or I need a room I to hide from filch i need a room that is equipped for teaching of defense against dark arts that kind of thing
4: i need a room to snog jamie (laughs) (laughs) one of the fundamental sort of um laws of physics and you know the world is that you can't create something out of nothing now magic you know we've seen that the effects of conjuring stuff um don't last indefinitely you know and i think it follows that the more powerful a wizard you are or which, of course, um, the more complex, you know, the things you can um, conjure and the longer time they take t- to go away. But um, it also follows that, are those things that you conjure real? And so, uh, does the stuff that appears in the room, is that real? Or is it just there as long as you're inside the room? Because it's like, can, can you take stuff out of the room? Here's what my theory is on it. Apart from stuff you put in. Okay, when you go in the room requirement and say...
1: What I've always thought is, why couldn't you walk past the door, why couldn't Quirrell do that, and want a Sorcerer's Stone, or 300 Sorcerer's Stones? The items that appear in the room have to come from somewhere. They have to come from somewhere. And so, if the item isn't readily available, you couldn't wish for 400 Sorcerer's Stones, because, you know, that just wouldn't happen. But, you know, things like a whistle,
4: or... You mean, you think there's like a warehouse somewhere, and they just pick the items from it, and it has to be in the warehouse. It's, it's, it's
1: magical. I, mean, stock, I think. I think stock. you could. I think you. <laughs> I think you could take it out of there. I mean, it's, if it's minor items, I don't. There has to, of course, be some limitations on. Otherwise, you could take. You know, wish for a room full of gold, but that's not going to work. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the, the fastest thing computer is, ever. This is a magical understanding, so it's beyond our comprehension. It's not going to make sense to us, so I don't know where
4: this stuff comes from. But Why are we discussing it, then? I, there's <laughs> no point, then. Fine. Right, everyone, we're closing the show. That's enough. We're finished. I mean, so, obviously, it's impossible to understand how it works until, until we get further information, because... We just don't know if you can take right. stuff out apart from stuff you put in, like the book, or you know. But obviously, it has to have a link with something because the, I mean, the two cabinets. Clearly, it's. I mean, the room has to be on Earth, you know, because you can go straight from that cabinet to the one in um, Borgin and Burks, You know, and Berks. It, it's not like a different universe. But I just don't. Well, I don't know. What does everyone think? Well, email thing, us. Email out, us. It,
2: Okay, it, it pulled that cabinet from somewhere. That cabinet did exist in Hogwarts before before it was in the Room of Requirement because Fred and George Weasley stuffed uh, the Slytherin Montague into that that cabinet, and that is the I guess we'll call it the what is it? The Vanishing Cabinet? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, the Vanishing cabinet. yeah, the
2: Vanishing Cabinet. So that Vanishing Cabinet did exist prior to its either being placed in the Room of Requirement or something like that, like. It was at Hogwarts, and I think... Do you know where they said they got it? Where um, where Fred and George got it when they shoved Montague into it? Do you know where oh, I can't from?
4: remember, no. Because the not thing sure. is,
2: it it's in there, and that's the question. How did it get there, and how to it get in the, into that room? And Have you ever thought that maybe the items that
4: appear in the room of requirement had to be brought in there at some point? Oh, yeah, but you can't have everything. You can't cater for absolutely everyone who could possibly walk past it and wish for something, you know, because you'd have to put billions and millions and millions of items in, in there. But I think that you can put stuff <laughs> in. It has to be in stock. I just don't know if you can if you can take stuff out that's been in there. Yeah, it has to be in stock. you like, hey, I want a computer, and it says out of stock. So you think, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come back later.
2: Well, I don't know that it works like that, though. I mean, it's just quite... Well, you, you asked the question... If you asked for a room that made you immortal, you know, like, would that would that happen? I I don't know. I think is that even possible? Like, a room that makes you... They, because I think a room that makes you immortal in there, or makes you safe, would just be a giant padded room. You know. It, yeah, it's open to interpretation. Like but I don't think there's actually a, a, a room with a, like a gas in it that if you breathe it, it makes you immortal, or like a room with a fountain that if you drink from it, you're immortal. You know, I, I don't think it would do that. It comes or, down to
4: the. Um, it comes down to the. Can you know? Um, if a genie appears, can you wish? for a million wishes, can you break the laws well, yeah, of the but, thing, you know, so like yeah. do the effects of the room well, only okay, last while ha- you're in there? I think you have to out.
1: because otherwise couldn't you uh, walk by the room requirement and say I want Voldemort uh, to be in there tied up with his hands behind his back so I can kill him or yeah. I want uh, Dumbledore or my parents to be in there alive, you, know, you can't do that so, yeah, yeah no, obviously
4: you can't do that, but it's stuff you need though, isn't it? It's you. You have to. You have to legitimately the room of need requirement. It. it. It's not the room of what you want. That's true. You have to legitimately need it. Okay. You know? Well, I
2: want to make it clear that at least uh, the stuff doesn't go away like forever. Like because the thing is, Draco was using the room of requirement in Book Six to mend the uh, broken vanishing cabinet. Now. The thing is, though, it couldn't have gone away after he was in there once because as soon as he left, it would go back to being broken or it would go, you know, he would never get anywhere but with it. If
4: what does a room of requirement look like when it isn't being used? You know, it's like a boggart thing. No one knows what a boggart looks like when it isn't well, in the, the form. The
2: whole, the whole point of the room of requirement is that you, uh, it can be anything. It's, it's, a, it's a variable. And I think, can't more than one room open, be open at once? Because. Harry was always trying to get into the room while Draco was in it, but yet Trelawney... But yeah, but Professor Trelawney looking for a place... And these were the exact, like, specifications. She was looking for a place just to stash her, her sherry bottles, and she found the room that Draco was in. But Harry tried, I need to see the room that Draco is in, I need to see the room, you know, with the... He didn't need he, to, he though. tried all these... Oh, I suppose
4: she, she didn't need to... Yeah, but um, I don't think it can be used... At- more than once, you know, you know, more than once at the same time, because it's like um, when. But
2: you can get into the room if it's if it's open. You can get into it.
4: Well, perhaps Draco said, "I want this room to be completely safe from Harry Potter." You know, I do not want him to be able to get in, and it would have to honor that because yeah. he said, you know, he said it first. What's interesting
1: about the, what's interesting about the room requirement is that Joe did a lot of good foreshadowing with it in Book Four when. Um, Dumbledore is telling Carcroft or Madame Maxine how he walked into a room with uh, chamber chamber pots pots. and then he can't find it again because he was up late one night looking for the bathroom and he stumbled upon a room with chamber pots.
4: He must have known and he must have known about it. Wouldn't he know where the bathroom
1: is? Seriously.
4: (laughs) He he probably would. I mean, he's he's lived there like four million years. Wouldn't he have I mean... Doesn't he have a bathroom his suite? An Couldn't he just conjure
2: up a toilet? Couldn't he just conjure up a toilet? No, Eric, sleep?
4: Eric, because it would disappear and then the b- would just fall <laughs> all over the floor. What will happen to the room of requirement now because it has been established as a weakness to Hogwarts? Is there uh, any way to empty it out or put it out of order or stop people using it? Empty out the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it had to be created by someone.
5: And I would assume that if the the enchantment was put in place, I'm sure that it can be taken down.
4: Away, yeah, yeah.
2: But can it be now that Dumbledore is gone? Because Dumbledore, I mean, put it this way, Dumbledore... Dumbledore knew all those languages that Harry didn't even hear about, and I'm I'm sure he's not the only one. But the fact is, all these enchantments, uh, you know, were put on it since you know ancient, ancient magic that you couldn't read about in books. Things like Horcruxes and stuff.
5: Yeah, but you would think that you would think, as being a school, that they'd have some history of what was done. And if anyone would know it would, would be think, the headmaster like, or headmistress yeah. and I would believe that the person who would know right. would be the next person in line to take over the school.
2: But it's something like the uh it's something like the Chamber of Secrets. They really didn't believe it even existed. Um yeah, the- until book two. Like they actually so so wait, if anybody knew about the Room of Requirement, would they go up to it and say I need the Chamber of Secrets or You have
4: to legitimately need it i don't think it can give you something yeah but it couldn't give you something this elsewhere
2: no no you don't have to need it you well you can you just walk by and request it you you walk by and request it and then it opens like i think the answer
0: is right here in the title the room of requirements like what well, yeah, was just it. saying you can't. earlier yeah you absolutely need it i guess i mean then again did harry need dumbledore's army was that required or a room for Dumbledore's army? Well, it was
2: just—it was just a good idea where he really wanted the companionship, and they needed a place. Well, they kind of needed a place against, you know, free from tyranny, free from umbrage, you know, that kind of thing.
5: Exactly, and I don't think it's that he did—he need Dumbledore's army. Yeah, he
2: needed it, it, well, a and room just, to just practice. Just because you require something, so
5: he already had—he already had the army.
2: He just required a room to practice that was private. Just because you require something doesn't mean you need it, though. If you require. A a bicycle to carry out a bicycle, you know, ride across two states, that's something you want to do. It's not necessarily something you need
1: to do. No, require and need are synonymous. Require and need are synonymous in this instance. I think they are, yeah. Well, you,
2: you want a room, you know. You want a place to sh- hide your sherry bottles, but truthfully, nobody goes up to Trelawney's office. She could just put them underneath one of her... Well, uh, honestly
4: speaking, do you legitimately need anything? That's what I, I, I mean, always you... think, yeah. No, exactly, you don't. Harry doesn't need to find the Horcruxes. He doesn't need to. The um, You know, if you don't believe in fate and stuff, he doesn't need to. Yeah. Voldemort could win, you know. But um, that leads on to asking whether Voldemort could use it to hide the Horcruxes. Could he say, I need a room that... No one can ever, ever get into apart from me.
1: Well, see, I think I think he's too arrogant. I think that Voldemort is too arrogant to think that someone could ever figure him
4: out. No, but could he? Could he? It's theoretically is a possible? No, but could he? That's the point. I don't know. It isn't about whether he would. Could he do it? But then that. It. it but then why didn't they hold the philosopher's stone in there? I think it's just too un reliable you know the room of requirement it doesn't seem like a sort of established thing that people use regularly you know it's like it's kind of like the mirror of iris said i mean you can't you can't really define what its
1: limitations are based based off what's been said in the book people don't know as well good point
2: mate yeah about about voldemort and you know hiding his horcruxes (laughs) in there um i don't think he he personally would have had any time at hogwarts to hide a horcrux in the room of requirement no but could you Could he do it, though? Oh, well, could you? I I don't know why you necessarily couldn't, but...
0: The rumor requirement was first discovered in uh, Goblet of Fire. Is that Joe's clever way of explaining what it is? Dumbledore needed to go to the
4: bathroom. He couldn't, for some reason, he... No, but he didn't need to. He... He could wait another two minutes or Maybe five
0: minutes, you know. Maybe he absolutely could. I mean, he could, Andrew. He, hey, how I do know, you know how strong you... his bladder is? How do you know how strong Dumbledore's bladder is? Okay, He's an old okay, guy. Okay, Andrew,
4: Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. He can clearly wait one more second, which means he didn't need to go. But it's one more or second. he absolutely needed to go. He could have just, he could have just, you know, weed all over the floor if he needed Well, that's to. the
0: point. There would be a consequence to that. Maybe if there was a consequence to what
2: you require. I don't. I I, don't, I just think. I think Dumbledore is more than capable of conjuring up a urinal to just to pee it. Okay, I don't, or a pot, or anything. As soon as after me, after he mentioned the room, he knew Harry was listening at that moment, and he turned and winked at him. This whole thing was about Dumbledore telling that Harry it's there. about the room. Mm the fact is the, the the question is not whether or not Dumbledore actually needed to go to the bathroom because I don't think he did he could have conjured up and why doesn't he have a bathroom in his office he lives up in the top of the tower does every night uh, he-, he brings up a
4: fair point uh, it is a fat well, point w-
1: w- why, why can't he just zap zap the urine out of his bladder
2: yeah because <laughs> it is
4: pensive
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay are you sure he winked at him yes okay he was telling uh, he was telling Madame Maxime about the, the how he doesn't know the secrets of Hogwarts and it was—it was just maybe contextually he was. It may seem like he was doing that, but you know, Dumbledore is a mysterious man. Harry found it on his own. It isn't like Harry went searching for a room that. You know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, I know that he, he. Harry didn't reference that in his memory the time that Dumbledore winked at him. So next point: Will Harry use the Room of Requirement to aid him in his quest in Book Seven? Why or why not? I open that to the floor. <laughs> the throw. <laughs> I have
0: no idea. Well, you can narrow it you down a bit. Obviously, too. he's not going to use it for the horcruxes because that's just way too easy. I mean, yeah. yeah. Don't get into that discussion again. No, because I'm
1: pretty sure you can't require the horcruxes. Right. Exactly. Right.
0: Well, there's all there's an alternative. There's an alternative. You can just kill off Voldemort. And this is my point yeah, of exactly. saying that there was no alternative for Dumbledore when he had to use the bathroom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is Harry even coming back to Hogwarts? I want him to. Yes, but... yes. That's a dumb question. He, of course, he, he can still use it though. No, he's, he's like in. Not. Um, not, not for the whole time. No, no, he's not for the whole time. Yeah, he's always welcome in Hogwarts. Exactly. I don't know. The Room of Requirement. It's. It seems like. It seems like it was used twice now, and that's okay. Like that's good enough. Like they, the good side used it, the bad side used it. What it seems.
4: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's
2: like asking Will. Uh, will Harry retrieve the potions book will he retrieve snape's uh half book prince's book you know that's like asking that or will he be able to because the thing is he wanted to come back and get it he never really got the chance to but he wanted to um because he marked it he put the the cage with the dead animal in it or something on top of the book and then he marked the book or something so he actually knows where the potions book is hidden if he can ever get into that room again so you know why is that significant? Why did he mark his place? You know, is that going to be neglected? Will he never?
4: What I've noticed you know. though, doing the doing this discussion, is it, it doesn't seem like we have enough information about it. I think it's a literary thing as well. It's a uh, I don't know how to pronounce this a juice ex machina. You know, God from a machine. It means it's a um, it's a plot device capable of sorting out everything. So it's like a big red button that just kills Voldemort, finds the Horcrux, you know, it's stuff like that. And obviously, that can't exist, or the entire magical world would be different, the laws would be different, so... um Obviously, Harry can't use it just to solve everything, or the books would just be two lines long. Harry went to the Room of Requirement, pressed the big red button, and Voldemort died. Yeah. The <laughs> and then what's the second sentence? Uh, The end? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The end was a certain sentence.
0: No, 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 Scar. <laughs> yeah, it's just Scar, yeah, it's just... <laughs>
4: <laughs> he, he pressed the big red <laughs> button then on the way out on the wall he hit his scar third sentence ouch his scar jumped off his forehead the
0: Da-da-da-da-da-da yeah. end
4: <laughs> Okay. Um, so we can compare it to the Marauder's Map Tom R- Riddle's Diary the Mirror Rivera said things where you can't see where they keep their brains and Mr. Weasley warned Harry that you should never, ever trust something where you can't see where it keeps its brain. So, should we trust the rumor of requirement?
2: Yes, because it's Hogwarts, and that's like asking, should you trust... Well, see, there's so many things about Hogwarts. Doors that open up into walls, things like that. So, what kind of question is that? Isn't like, it m- if you were to ask us about the potions book, that, 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 you know, that's, that's a separate question, because... It's a bo- It's just a book with stuff written in it. It's not like a live object. But the Room of Requirement isn't exactly a live object as much as Riddle's Wait, diary. Well, Wait, exactly. Either. It's you know, and where you know, can you see where? Can, it's a, But can you trust Hogwarts? It's a matter question, of because, sentience, though. You know, the Room of Requirement isn't. But the Room of the Room of Requirement isn't exactly a separate entity. I mean, it is part of Hogwarts after all, and it's part of the personality of at least you know one of the four founders, assuming. That they they built it. That's like. You know. Don't
4: you think it's a matter of sentience where if things are self aware and can actually think for themselves, like the Room of Requirement, is just like a big program, really, and it gives you what you want. Well, it could be a program or it could think for itself. Whereas Tom, you know, R- R- Riddles Diary is completely different and could respond to different things. It was m- much more alive. Than the room of requirement, I think.
2: I think it's interesting too. Uh, it's got, I think it's got some kind of intelligence because you could ask just for a place to practice spells, and it would give you loads and loads of shelves of the best books, you know, and comfortable pillows to practice, you know, and that, and that kind of thing. There's some, there's some kind of because it, it gave Harry and the DA a lot more than they originally asked for. You know, so,
4: you know, they just ask for a room to practice spells. But it's a matter of interpretation, though. It could just be, uh, you know, program to interpret stuff in, in a certain way, just like the Matrix.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- that's that's what I'm thinking it's like. But, you know, I think it does just react on your command. If you ask for something, it will interpret it and give it. But I don't think it's, you know... A separate entity with it. I think it's just part of Hogwarts. It's part of what makes Hogwarts magical. It's just another okay. interesting room, another
4: interesting stairway that changes. You know. And like once that. again, after that fifteen-minute discussion, we are yet to find a conclusion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's uh, well, you. You really can't because mm-hmm. there's no real answer. The no, only no, person who knows not. the answer is Joe. And- there,
5: yeah, there's not enough information on it to.
0: Well, what I love about recording these podcasts is that we have all this saved, and we can go back and listen to it, and we like, and go like, oh, yeah. we were right there, we were wrong there. This is all, you know, it's like an archive of theories and stuff, so we should, we should place bets on all this stuff that we talk about, so... Yeah. We really should. We already have one sausage bet. <laughs>
4: yeah, we do. <laughs> Unfortunately.
0: Now we're going to move on to a different story that we've yet to experience here on the show. Um... This comes from Jim17 of Massachusetts. About a month ago, I had downloaded MungoCast onto my MP3 player and was listening to it on my drive to work. And Laura said something that made me laugh really hard. In fact, it distracted me enough to not realize the car ahead of me was stopped. So I hit it going 50 miles per hour and totaled my Ouch. car. Luckily, I walked away with all your minor cuts. Well, since it was my first car and most teens crashed their first one, last week my mom and dad got me a newer, better car in place of the old one. So I would like to thank Laura for
4: getting me a new car. And in fact, we're running a new service. Just write in what car you want and it'll be shipped (laughs) out to you as soon as possible. Uh, But you have to prove to us that you actually crashed your your own car. So wait,
2: what have we learned from Jim17? We've learned that Laura is funny.
0: Yeah, I I didn't I could believe it That's either. Amazing. Not, not <laughs> yeah. car crashing worthy but at least. <laughs> so we emailed Jim back to get more information and his parents bought him a new Pontiac Firebird in place of his now totaled 99 Volkswagen and actually t- attached a picture of this broken or well, this totaled <laughs> car. car. It's more than just I broken. I broke it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a little <laughs> accident. Um so we'll we'll post this on the, show the website. <laughs> now now we have a fun favorite segment for you this week. Your favorite end battle scene. This comes from Alyssa, thirteen of Massachusetts. She writes simply Hi, I'm Alyssa and I just love the showkeeper, the great work and I had an idea for the favorite segment, favorite end battle scene. Again, I love the show. <laughs> great email. <laughs> so So let's go around the table here start off with Eric since he's been away for a while. Uh, favorite Eric, end what's your scene. favorite end battle scene? I
2: don't know. I'm very... Wow, silence. I like um. I like Book 5, I think, in the Ministry of Magic because all those rooms and things that were mentioned um, were, you know, we're going around in the Ministry of Magic, you know, the Department of Mysteries, for crying out loud, and I would actually like to see, I don't know, I don't know what the odds are of seeing that room or that whole department ever again, I think we should, but everything, you know... They they burst through the door into another room And we didn't know what the room was for And didn't really find out But it was just all these, I guess, mysteries Is the way to do it And, you know, that battle scene Not only had all the DA fighting for their lives What they'd learned all year But also then, you know, all the Death Eaters came And all of the Order came And Dumbledore faced Voldemort at the end You know, Dumbledore and Voldemort against each other Nothing is better I think. Book five. I'd have to.
5: I'd have uh, to. Yeah, same Eric. with me. Well, what, was interesting,
2: what was interesting
1: about about Order of the Phoenix was beforehand, people were asking Joe, you know, about the book, and she said, "Well, we're going to see some. We're going to go somewhere new." And it was so funny because we went to five or six new places. We went to Grimwald Place. We went to St. Mungo's. <laughs> went to the Department of Mysteries. I, don't, I just found that interesting.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of new scenery. I don't know. Do you guys think it will be back at the uh, Department of Mysteries again? Because Harry kind of sh- is staying away from the Ministry. Like, if he goes in, they're gonna. It has to be, to raise- doesn't it? Because um, yeah.
4: the uh, room, but with the locked door. You know, the one, um, the love room.
2: <laughs> That's so weird because Dumbledore told Harry what was in the room, or he told them like about the room, but nobody can like ever enter that room. Yeah. Or something, or the- like the door's locked. Like what? That that's so weird. A room that contains love, like
4: what? Well, clearly yeah. he he probably w- will be entering it. Yeah. Just because yeah. Dumbledore, you know, said that nobody could ever
5: ever enter. And it. And she probably sort of now. focused on it so much that it made everyone go, "Ooh,
4: what's in there?" That's the series is going to end in the love room. He'll open the door, and some huge heart will come out, and just yeah, vote <laughs> Care Bears.
2: And just uh Well, I, no, it's just like Indiana Jones and the, what? read right is the Lost Ark. The uh, the Arc of the Government what broke open, and like the angels came out, and the site was too holy for anybody, and they had to close their eyes or else they died. Yeah. After the flood, all the colors came out. Yeah.
4: But um, I'd ha- I would have <laughs> to agree as well. I think it was one of the best scenes in the uh, whole series, especially Dumbledore, Dumbledore versus Voldemort. Voldemort, Voldemort is yeah. Awesome.
1: Oh jeez, yeah. I about freaked out. That was. Ugh. It was the kind of you know great. it's.
4: Kind of like an action film, which you watch, you know, just for the action. Just it's so cool. You you can't not like that scene. You know, There so many brilliant. Cool,
2: I mean, all the cool rooms, the time room, and the, you know, the yeah, Death exactly. Eater whose head was turned into a baby and you know, grown back, and the statue of magical brethren.
4: Yeah, that's awesome. For
2: crying out loud, that's like the coolest thing ever. So, I don't know. You guys think they'll do that good in the movie? The the end battle scene in because I mean, I I'd like to see. I mean, Michael Gammon, yeah, I guess he could face rate fines, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's
0: just... Well, we heard from Lucius... What, not Lucius. We heard from uh, Jason Isaacs <laughs> that um, he's he'll actually be doing a lot of shots on a huge green or blue screen. Um, and this is leading people to believe that there, this whole end battle scene is going to be um, all shot on... Blue screen, and then they're gonna chroma everyone in. And it's just gonna be mayhem everywhere you look, and they wouldn't possibly be able to do this all in one take with all the actors there at one time. So yes, yeah, so I blue screen.
1: I think that with the other with battle scenes, you know, I think uh, we need to pay some homage to uh, the Goblet of Fire, Voldemort dueling Harry. That one. Well,
0: great. yeah, I was gonna bring that one up because, and to think that it's it's gonna be we're gonna be seeing it again, hopefully in book oh. seven. It'll be completely different, though.
5: He'll yeah, will and and Harry won't be Harry. Hopefully, won't be the helpless kid he was in yeah, it's the different. graveyard. You know. Yeah, it's just. I think the whole reason why people liked Book 5's duel between Dumbledore and Voldemort was it's it was actually a wizard duel where it was
4: yeah exactly. You know, it was the it's two cool most
5: powerful wizards alive fighting.
2: It was it was a proper wizard duel, but also I think the coolest thing about it was the history behind it. You know, Dumbledore is the only one he ever feared, and there he was calling him Tom. He called him Tom as well, yeah. He called him Tom, exactly. And I really worry about Michael Gammon. I'm not going to, you know, go into the old arguments about him, but I really don't think... Michael Gammon cares enough about the history of Dumbledore, or understands. You know, every interview, Michael. They'll Ga- tell you know, him though. They'll tell him
4: though before he. Does every it.
2: interview, Michael Gammon's like, I don't really know what the hell I'm saying. I just go out and say it. So, yeah,
0: that that's such a problem. It's it. That's terrible for
1: WBPR. He'll, <laughs> he'll never be on the show. Michael Gambon will never be a, doing a fan interview for
2: us. I know, but but he, he's gonna he's gonna have to say, you know, I knew you'd come, Tom, or you know. Once again, you fail to understand that you know. M- you know, mortality is not the worst thing. And he says that right but, to him. And Eric, m- Eric, he's
4: an actor, though. It's the whole. I know. He can do it, though. They'll tell him what to do, and he'll do it as an experienced actor. It doesn't matter. It depends on the screenwriter. It has to depend
1: on
2: the screenwriter. If the screenwriter puts it in right, then that's all it matters. I just have to get over it. That's all. I. That's all I have to do. I just have to get over because the history. You know, we have to have this sense of world. This sense of I I worried about this before Goblet of Fire came out. I worried that the movies wouldn't be tied together in the same world because of all the acting changes. The reason that this film is going to be so great is because you, like, like Jamie,
0: I think, said, you're going to have, like in the book, you have this huge mass duel at the end, but it's among these actors... Who we've seen in Prisoner of Azkaban, the film, all do a fantastic job, and now they're going to be in Order of the Phoenix all together, and these British actors really shine through. They they're really fantastic. are, yeah. They're, and whether ex- you think they're Working together. I mean, with the kids and the adults, yeah, it's good. But the actors, the older actors with each other are great, and whether Michael Gammon is a good Dumbledore or not, he's still going to be able to make it I work agree I agree completely.
2: I, I think
4: as well. I think, I think also, though, the, um, the, um, that, End scene is especially good because we see new kinds of magic, like him conjuring the shield and the water going up and surrounding yep. him. And there just doesn't seem to be any spell for causing a pool of water to, to surround him and suffocate him. You know, for for us, it just seems like stuff that only the you know experienced wizards can do, or and the fountain of magical, magical brethren. Yeah, that was pretty cool. As too. I
2: mentioned, yeah, um, but that's cool, Jamie too. I think you could you pointed out that uh we could see a certain change and a certain allusion to the next movie where there's going to be all sorts of magic that makes no sense and you know nonverbal yeah. spells are being taught and uh, you know all this magic that really just defies what we've you know convention what we've learned so far. Yeah. You know the only actual what the only actual spells we've learned have been in the dueling club scene and then Aloha Mora in the first book. I mean, you know not not a lot else besides Lumos and Lumos Maxima. Actual spells. We're gonna learn a lot more.
1: Lumos Maxima is a movie thing. Yeah,
2: isn't it? well, it is. It is. Lum- but Lumos is it. L- Lumos Maxima. Maxima! Woo-hoo! I've been rereading Order of the Phoenix, and um, every
0: time there's a Dumbledore line, I just sit here and I take a minute to think how Michael Gambon is gonna pull it off. Because <laughs> I really like Michael Gambon, and I just, just I'm looking forward to type. the trial. I could definitely, I'm,
1: I could definitely see Richard, Richard Harris. No, I no think way, Richard Harris would do a lot no better way. job pulling off
4: the uh, serious Dumbledore. No, oh my no, I, the, I personally think the complete opposite. I don't think Richard Harris, I thought, was for some people the only Dumbledore, and I completely respect that. But I don't think he he had that persona for Dumbledore at all. I think Michael Gambon, especially in. Prisoner of Azkaban, right at the beginning, he uh, he sort of you know you really really trust. Oh no, him he was he, he was way... Well, but Andrew, I, know, do I you,
2: think does Andrew see what I'm saying with? Um- you know just with the interviews that Gammon gives, and he's like yeah i really don't know what the hell i'm doing it's just a stupid kid that's true you know he he's he's like this is (laughs) he doesn't know he doesn't know what's going on in the books
4: but he's a great actor and i think but he doesn't care either he's like i just read the script it doesn't matter if he doesn't care it it, it doesn't matter if he doesn't care or or if he doesn't know the history or if he doesn't know anything he's just got to to deliver one line and he has to do it well And he's an actor that's why he's a famous actor who has been in so much stuff because he can do that you don't think that every single adult actor has read the Potter books so they can give it their all. They're actors. They're actors and actresses. That's the whole point. But
2: here's a man who is openly insulting a large majority of the Harry Potter fanbase in every interview.
4: He's No, Michael Gambon is that kind of guy. He's the sort of don't-care, happy-go-lucky... swearing on TV shows hes that's how he is but if he can pull off the role you know in the film I don't care what the, what his history is like if he hasn't read the books or anything
0: but we're all in agreement that the two final battle scenes with Voldemort are two of the best now let's move on to this week in Potter oh this is a nice one July 16th 2005 merely a year ago the release date of this show
1: Huh? the show will be released on July
0: 16th oh cool so, where were all of we?
4: <laughs> where were all of us? <laughs> wow we sounds better Jamie, where the hell were Half you <laughs> um I was in Edinburgh with emerson, Melissa, Emerson's mum, and Melissa's two friends and uh sorry which day did it come out the sixteenth the fifteenth no. Okay, the sixteenth. Then 16th. I was. I think I had just got to Edinburgh, and I was meeting Emerson at the airport, and we were going to the hotel. Yep, that's where I was. Then two days later, I was at the castle, Edinburgh Castle.
2: Eric, Eric, where were you? I was in Ohio. Um, actually, the uh, it was in Hudson, Ohio, and. Uh, the There was a town event um there for Book Six. the whole town, kind of like what happened with Oak Park. the whole town was uh, turning into Diagon Alley shops, things like that and I guess I was just um i don 't want to call myself the m c but I hosted I was, annou- I was announcer for the events that were going on um but i was calling i guess you guys were at uh what um spellbound I was at oh, spellbound. Ben, where were you spellbound
1: I was at Spellbound in uh, what was the name of that little town? So it was near Chicago. I forget the name of the town, but um, yeah, I was at this town in near Chicago at the mall at this party for the muglerent sponsored, hanging out with Damon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that that was the best part. And eating waffles. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then we went to then we went to um, the Hilton and we got our books there. And then I stayed up until four a.m. reading on the couch in the Hilton. And then I went to sleep. even
0: finished did you?
1: Huh. He didn't finish it did no, you? No, I was reading really slowly because okay. I was trying to savor the moment.
5: I was actually at Borders in a local town just hanging out waiting
0: for the book to be uh, released. Yeah. You were I actually if you read my baddest, uh, if you read my Battles profile, I didn't go anywhere. I was in Ocean City. I was sort of you like were calling, calling me <laughs> for MuggleNet. Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah, was, that was yeah, I was calling that you thirty million times, idea. wasn't
5: I? We we were the only ones that were
4: actually near
0: computers. Jamie, how long did it take you to read uh I read a book? it
4: I finished at twelve thirty in the afternoon. So we got back about quarter past one in the morning and then I stayed up and read it all the all the way through till half twelve.
0: I was sort of I I took my time too, I like Ben was saying, I took about a little under two days to read it's it because terrible. first of all no, because I didn't I didn't touch MuggleNet that entire time that I was reading it. And I spent both days just reading, taking breaks in between and stuff. Because our mail and stuff, we've, we've oh said this God, before. Oh, my God. Our getting... mail and stuff, it was just flooded with spoilers. It wasn't worth it. It was horrible. It. So that's why I, I, I Should... felt sort of forced to read it quickly like that. Yeah. So I well, could continue on MuggleNet.
1: Well, what about Order of the Phoenix? How long did Order of the Phoenix take you guys to read?
2: Order of the Phoenix took me longer, I think. I forget, though. Oh, order of the Phoenix took me. What
5: was
4: it? 8 hours, 9 hours? Jamie, didn't you tell them? Yes, I did, Andrew. Thank you very much. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Why? explain it. I'm okay, I, I did like an interview for the BBC, um, and I said... How long
6: do you think it'll take you? Well,
4: I'm not a very fast reader, and I know it's a very big book, so it'll be slower than my children. Yes, and Jamie? I'm planning about four hours. And really? Hours. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and when are you going to start, do you reckon? Um, I think probably about two minutes past midnight, so, really? so I get a through. book. Just then go straight through. Yeah. <laughs> that was
1: great. That
4: was, <laughs> great. <laughs> that was Pro- great. probably took me uh, about... Three times that, that, but I couldn't say on air that I was thinking about maybe reading a bit, then going to McDonald's, then coming back and having a sleep, having a because coffee. Because they then were all under more, the you know.
5: assumption, yeah,
4: yeah. It just doesn't sound right, does it? So I said, yeah, yeah, about four hours, you know, Ma- <laughs> absolute maximum though, four well, hours, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Were you trying to impress the BBC or something? Well, <laughs> no,
5: no. That. I just I couldn't remember say that, w- that you know that one person you know. was
4: completely talking over you the whole time. She actually knew her stuff pretty well. She, I mean, she, she knew what she, what she was talking yeah, about. Yeah, but, isn't but it, that video's on MuggleNet, isn't it? No, it I is. So. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, it, is. it is.
1: I, I put it up. I put it up. Oh, right, but, it an, but they were all under
5: an... the assumption that you didn't know anything about Harry Potter. It was great. <laughs> like she, she was completely talking over you, never giving you an, a
0: chance to answer or anything. It well, Was great. But that
1: was pretty funny, though. I, I, I laughed so hard when you said four hours.
0: Now it is time for this week's voicemail segment. Kevin Stack, get him rolling.
1: Hi, MoCast. This is Jason from Chicago, Illinois. I have a question. Uh, when I was listening to MoCast forty-six, I uh, Laura mentioned that she doubted Hermione was going to be the one get, to get killed off. That kind of joked my memory back to, you uh, know, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, when during the chess game, Ron sacrificed himself so that Harry and Hermione could move on, and then. Hermione kind of did the same by giving Harry the, the potion that would allow him to move on as well. My question is, what are the odds that J.K. would do it again in the sense that she would sacrifice Ron and Hermione so that
6: Harry could survive in this case? All right. Uh, love the show. Keep keep yeah, keep it up. Okay, bye.
0: <laughs> no, I like that, though, because Laura was saying um, she was saying the books are symmetrical, um. So, like in the beginning, Ron and Hermione had to drop out so that Harry could move on. Perhaps in Book Seven they have to drop out only in a more uh, how can we put it uh, morbid sense. Yeah, morbid sense,
4: <laughs> final sense, final. Yeah. Sense. <laughs> what do you
0: got? What do you guys think? I think Sixth it would be sense. cool the no. foreshadowing from yes,
2: yeah, book definitely. But no, that would be pretty uh... cool. I don't see why it's a question. I mean, isn't it? it, It's been said now that uh, eventually it has to be just Harry against Voldemort. So they're going to have to fall back and let. And, and, you know, they're more than keen on just falling back and letting him take Voldemort. They want to help him out as much as they could, but they know they're not going to actually be in the very, very, very final battle between Harry, you know, the prophecy says it just has to be Harry and Voldemort so they will drop back they'll they'll fall back, but that doesn't, you know
4: it doesn't though, it it just says that one has to kill the other they could I mean, Hermione and Ron could hold him down while Harry kills it's him which means that <laughs> Harry has to kill him true, to yeah. Kill him
5: yeah, but I think he's trying to say that do you think it's possible that Ron is going to die for Harry, just like he sacrificed oh yeah, of course, yeah It is definitely possible. I know, but it's, like, the new hot topic
4: right now. Who's gonna die? Of course, it is definitely possible, yeah. It's, um, I mean, one of them, I think, everyone accepts that one of them will probably die, but it's people, you know, I don't think... Anyone is going to reach complete agreement until the book actually comes out as to who is going to die or not.
2: I don't know why there's all this favoritism. It's almost as if you want Ron and Hermione to die. No, no, it's not. Just because the prophecy says it has to be Harry and Voldemort at the final battle doesn't mean that Hermione and Ron won't be perfectly fine just back at home or something, you know? They will fall back. They will not be in the absolute final battle. That doesn't mean they'll have to die. I think the reason why people are thinking that is it seems fitting that
5: she has killed off two father figures. She has never killed off one of
4: his true friends, like one of his childhood friends. I mean, she's killed people close to him, but there's a difference between being being Dumbledore and being Ron. You know, it's a complete difference.
2: So you're saying just because there's this this open void where she hasn't killed a friend yet, she needs to kill a friend? No.
4: Well, yes. To make no, no, but. In some ways, yes, because, you know, it's a war. They're all going in together. What will, that, what will that teach him? It's not teach him. It's to make it realistic. It's a battle. It's a war. If three people go in against three people from their other side, oh, th- three teenagers aren't all going to come home, you know, nice, nice, and all completely alive, you know.
6: Hi, Monkrocast. This is Andrew calling from Vancouver, British Columbia, and I want to know what you think about something. On DumbledoreIsNotDead.com, one of the clues cited is that when Dumbledore is hit with Avada Kedavra, he is sent flying off the Astronomy Tower. The site contends that this could not have been a real killing curse, since in every other instance of a vodka Kedavra we've seen, the victim simply slumps down onto the floor. However, I think there is evidence that the physical impact of any curse can be affected by the degree of emotion behind it. In Order of the Phoenix, page 336, UK edition, Harry is hit with the impedimentic curse to stop him punching Malfoy, and he is knocked over backwards by the force of the spell. Later, when practising impedimenta at a DA meeting, the victims are simply frozen for a minute or so. Page 401, UK edition. So if this were true, it would mean that if there is a lot of emotion behind Snape's AK, which I think is evidence in the description of hatred and revulsion in his face, then it is possible that the curse could have sent Dumbledore flying off the tower. Just wanted to hear what you thought. Thanks.
4: I think what she's talking about is like, do you remember in Order of the Phoenix right at the end when Harry tried to use the Cruciator's Curse on Bellatrix and he wasn't thinking the right emotion, you know. Yeah. Like, he he was just angry and you used to actually want to cause him pain. I think that's right because um, when Snape uses the Killing Curse on Dumbledore, it says that, you know, his face is screwed up in complete loathing. So I think it must, you know, the, uh, the spell must be made more powerful by the kind of emotion behind you, because that's like a running through theme throughout the entire books, that magic isn't only dependent on your wand and the spell, you know, it's dependent on the uh, personality, the force behind it. So I do think it's made more powerful, yeah.
2: But again, I I, I don't think that uh, any amount of force would have changed. Oh, the outcome? um, No, of course not well no or or the fact that dumbledore moved i don't think oh, i actually no, don't no. think the fact that dumbledore moved had anything to do with snape being off no, no. set with dumbledore you know i i think the whole reason he moved was completely separate you know the same kind of separate where because he was people powerful. go up to harry where where people go up to harry and say the only exception to the uh, death curse yeah, you, yeah. you know sits in front of me. It, it was something so vastly different i don't think it had anything to do with how you know upset
4: the thing is um Saying that you you can't have degrees of killing curse, you know it either kills you or it doesn't. So perhaps that loathing, that anger has to show itself in a different way. So like the the body flying backwards a long way, or or, or, you know something like that. Because if the body just lands. And you know its eyes are wide, and, and it's been killed. You can't tell how powerful the curse was that killed it. If that makes sense.
2: Well, it's interesting too because they attribute Harry's scar, or at least Dumbledore attributes the actual scar to the Death Curse. Yeah. He, he yeah. doesn't attribute it to Voldemort. You know, Voldemort. Exactly. He doesn't. Att- otherwise, there would be a lot more support for the Horcrux theory. Yeah. Of the scar, but but Dumbledore actually says that the scar is a mark of the Death Curse. So that's really weird. Because if it's, you know, the Death Curse doesn't usually leave a mark, he says, you know, the exception sits before me. Or, or, or something along those lines, where Dumbledore, you know, who was yeah, aware yeah. about Horcruxes at the time, actually says the Death Curse made the scar. So maybe, it, you know, the Death Curse may behave differently depending on the people casting, but I, I just don't, I don't know what to make about it. It's like, we thought that... Originally, we speculated uh, in the beginning couple of episodes that it was just the amount of power that Dumbledore had that it made an impact because of how powerful, you know, stuff like that.
6: Hi, MuggleCast. My name is Amanda, and I'm from New Jersey. I have a theory about the ring horcrux that Dumbledore was wearing in Half-Blood print. The ring contained the Peverell coat of arms, and after researching Peverell, I found that the coat of arms contained a lion. Do you think this could be the real Gryffindor horcrux? If so, it leaves open the possibility of a new Slytherin horcrux, which might be easier to locate in the book. I'd love to know what you think. Thanks. Love you, Michelle.
4: Mr. Gaunt is clearly very, very patriotic, you know, and sort of elitist. I doubt he would wear any ring that had any significance with, you know, Gryffindor or yeah. anything other than Slytherin, considering his background. Unless, of course, he didn't know, but I consider that unlikely. Yeah, agreed. I,
2: I don't even remember that line. Yeah. I just read that last week, but I don't I don't remember a lion being on the ring.
4: Oh, no, no, it's and, research and that um, I... she did. Yeah. So, like, oh, she... research. Yeah, because Peverell Wait, they... relates to, to lions.
2: Oh, actually, well, that's kind of cool, but I, I do think Gaunt would have made sure, or it would have at least been,
4: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: And Dumbledore would probably be able to tell. I don't know.
0: We're going to wrap things up this week with a chicken soup. J20 of Ohio writes, The other day at work during lunch I was wearing my MuggleCast T-shirts. Hey, everyone buy one today. My friend Susie... He put it in quotes, so I guess he's trying to protect her identity. Said, What's the point in listening to MuggleCast? I understand you like reading it, but come on. What do you learn from MuggleCast? So then yesterday, after listening to the newest episode at Work's, work, I learned something. Jamie taught me what RSVP means. So I went up to Susie and said, what does RSVP mean? And she didn't know what. <laughs> and I said, well, today, Jamie from MuggleCast taught me what it means. It means, Jamie... Raponday, Sylvie See, you can learn from MuggleCast. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you, Jamie, for helping me put that dizzy cow back in her place. <laughs> you rock. Wow. Woo. <laughs> Every (laughs) 47
2: episodes of MuggleCast, when we become an educational uh, dispenser, we can prove Dizzy Cows wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that does it for this week's show,
0: but we have a few more little notes for everyone. Episode 50 is quickly approaching, and we want your favorite MuggleCast moments and favorite quotes from the show sent in via Mm. our phone numbers, (sighs) 121820 magic. And our two new phone numbers in the United Kingdom, you can call zero two zero eight one double four zero six double seven, and in Australia, five double three five double six eight. So please send in your favorite moments and anything else that you would like to say about MuggleCast. We're gonna have like a big block of voicemails. Uh, at the end of episode fifty, we're all going to be recording episode fifty in Vegas together, so that will be very interesting. Woo-hoo. And um, I'll be laying on the bed. It's, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and next week, we are going to make our second attempt at MuggleCast Live. We have a new server. Huge, 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 huge. Thanks to Jeremy he's been helping us out with this and he's been really excited um to get this going with us. So next week Mugglecast live Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have a lot of fun time? with it. Uh 10. Oh, we're going to okay. we're, we're going to have we're going to have a lot of fun with it and there's a limit of 300 people uh who can access this feed. It's not a Skype cast this time, thank God. <laughs> For more information, <laughs> thank you visit a lot, the Skype. Mugglecast website. Yeah. Uh, so Ben, our PO box is
1: PO Box 223, Moundridge, Kansas 67107.
0: Send us stuff, and you get your name on the show. And send your listener rebuttals, question, comments, suggestions, complaints, whatever you want to mugglecast at staff.mugglenet.com. You can also find all our contact information on the Mugglecast website. Did I say muggle at staff.mugglecast.com?
4: I meant at mugglenet.com. Before we go anywhere... Okay, I haven't done my joke. Jamie. Okay, so... Here's a nice short one. A man walks into a doctor's office. He has a cucumber up his nose, a carrot in his left ear, and a banana in his right ear. What's the matter with me? He asks the doctor. The doctor replies, y- you aren't eating properly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so I said it, but gonna... That was pretty good. That's going to destroy your rap. Dude. Hey, it's already downhill uh, considerably. <laughs> I don't think it can go... in. Any lower on the jokes? Well, Jamie, I just want to thank
0: you real quick for coming through with your promise of doing two jokes. I mean, oh, well, thank you. Well, I mean, yeah.
4: I thought I, uh, I thought these people deserve two brand new, pre- previously un, you know, unheard jokes because you know I didn't say any last yeah, week. So, so uh, let okay, okay, fine. Yeah. Well, All right. All right. There's this guy. There's this guy. He's like an international wasp expert. He knows absolutely everything about wasps. He there is nothing on wasps He doesn't know. One day, he's walking down the street. Uh, he walks past a CD store and he sees an advert that says the best tape of wasp sounds ever, come in and listen and he thinks well I'm the international uh, wasp expert and I haven't ever heard this tape So how how, how do they know it's the best ever I haven't certified it so he walks in and uh, he says to the uh, person there listen do you know who I am I'm the international wasp expert do you think I can listen to this this tape and I can tell you if it is the greatest uh, tape of wasp sounds ever so the man says well yeah Okay then, so he takes him over to the to the player, and um, plugs him in, uh, gives him the headphones, and uh, presses play. The person listens, and he and he thinks, "Well, I can't hear any wasp sounds at all." I mean, you know what the hell is this? So he um, so he goes back to the uh, store person and says, Wait, "Excuse me, but I couldn't hear." any wasp sounds at all, and you told me this was the greatest wasp sound tape ever. So the uh, person says, well, come on then, I'll go and try again. So he goes back, plugs him in, gives him the headphones, presses play, and once again, he can't hear anything at all, any wasp sounds. And He's getting extremely annoyed now because he's the international wasp expert and you know, he doesn't have m- that much time on on his hands. So he goes back and says, Now listen, you know, you you really do you don't have to tell me now it's um do you think you, you can please show me the uh wasp sound? So he says, Well, yeah, we'll come on, then, we'll go and try again and uh he goes back and he says, Right, do you think you can stay here now so when it goes wrong you can, you know, you can see what's happening. So, um, he plugs him in, gives him the headphones, presses play, and he listens to it, and he says, once again, well, I can't hear any wash sounds at all. So the, uh, store person stands there, and suddenly a, a look of dawning comprehension comes on his face, and he said, and he says, oh, that's why you can't hear any wash sounds. You're listening to the B side. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That it's is excellent. Ever. On
0: that note, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck I'm Jamie Lawrence.
2: And I'm Eric Skull, reminding you to save gas money.
0: Ben, Shane, you're in the studio here with me next
2: week. Yeah. I cannot
1: wait. Monday morning, 5.43 a.m., meet me at Wichita Midcontinent Airport, okay? Everybody be Say there. Say
2: goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Good night. And bye.
0: Now it is time for this week's voicemail segment. Kevin Steck, get him rolling. You him, I don't have him on. <laughs> <laughs> oh I man! Sent him, come on! You. Oh jeez! Oh,
2: I don't. Have, you're just too lazy to play him. <laughs> no, that, I actually that don't have, our him. I have him on for the week. my
5: external hard drive, which is connected to a different <laughs> yeah. computer.
2: Oh what? Kevin Steck is disconnected now. No. Too-
0: okay. Oh yeah. Really connected, Kevin? <laughs> All right. Here we go.